a well-known hymn to us. I asked our brother uh, to sing that song this morning, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Many say it was Robert Robinson that penned this poem. Uh, some say it wasn't, but whoever it was, whoever penned this wonderful, wonderful song, Come Thou Fount, opened a portal into the heart and thinking of many of us today. And that is, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Then the cry, oh, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You and I have gone through this, I, I imagine, if you've been a Christian any length of time. Uh, at times in life, great spiritual strength, great reliance, great faith in the Word of God. And at other times, weakness, failure, and sin. I'm sure all of us have gone through it, and, and you cry out, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? How come I'm going through this? What, what is uh, the real problem? Well, Pastor Rob worked through a section of the Scriptures, and I'd like you to turn there with me, please, in, in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. He did such a great job on this section of scriptures, we don't even really need to filter through it. <clears throat> but Paul, in Romans chapter 7, starting right in verse 15, and continuing down right through uh, chapter 8, cries out in his, in his uh, theology here, just sharing his heart with the church at Rome. And Paul's personal experience with indwelling sin, which you and I uh, battle momentarily and daily, uh, Paul's personal experience with indwelling sin, and he calls it the sin that lives in me. Uh, Paul is not avoiding personal responsibility. This is so important for you and I. You cannot deny personal responsibility. You know what you should do. You know what you should think. You know how you should act, and yet... And yet there's a battle, a battle. We refer to this as the sin nature, the natural man. Uh, some refer to it as the indwelling principle of sin. Some call it humanness. But really the battle is the new nature against the old nature. What I am in Christ and what I was in the world. That's where the battle comes in. And it can be very discouraging at times. So what is the problem and how do I fix it? Well, the problem is very clearly you. The problem very, very clearly is me. I wish I could blame everyone. I blame Nancy for most of my problems. <laughs> and really, she's my helpmeet and helps me in all of them. But I need someone to blame. And I have good company, by the way. Isn't that what Adam did? Everyone's blaming someone for my problems. Everyone. It was the way I was brought up. It was where I was brought up. I didn't have enough money, and on and on and on. You know, the tr you know what the problem is? If all those things were not true, you'd probably be worse than you are now. That's the truth of the whole matter. And so the battle goes on and on. What's the problem? Notice, please, in verse 24, O wretched man that I am. That's the problem, you. What's the answer? It's God, verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. That's the battle. That's the battle. 
that we all experience. It's interesting, though, because the Lord's working. He's working. He's working. He's using these things to work them all together for good. Pastor Rob dealt with that the other day, wonderfully so. So what is the battle? What's the problem? Well, the Spirit of God is working in verse, chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the Spirit, but after the flesh. The minute you start walking after the flesh, that's when things go downhill very, very quickly. It's interesting... um, the I there, as I looked at it, the I there used 23 times in this section, and it's always negatively, I, I, I. And you know, there's a lot of people that brag about themselves. They ought to read Romans chapter 7 to see what's really going on. Now, we need to remember, keep in focus as we move through this, keep in focus, please, that it's the Spirit that convicts. It's the Spirit of God in you. If you are born again here today, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. If you have not believed the Word of God concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for your sin in your place, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you die today, you'll open your eyes in hell. It's just that simple. But for those of us who have believed, those of us who realize what God's word has said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, we believe that he died in our place. For those of us who have that, the Spirit of God convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Spirit of God gives me strength and illumination into the word of God. That's what I need. That's what I need. I was reading something the other day, it's uh, kind of interesting to me at least, Jonathan Edwards, I don't know if you've ever heard of this man, great, great man of God as far as I can read and hear. He was born in 1703 in Windsor, Connecticut, It's East Windsor. He died in uh, 1758 at 55 years of age. He was a theologian, a teacher, a, a, he taught British American Puritanism. Great teacher of the word of God. He was responsible, one of the giants responsible for the great awakening up and down the entire east coast. These men had an influence, and God used this to bring forth just a spiritual revolution as far as the word of God and people's hearts are concerned. He did a great, great work. One of his famous sermons, and I have yet to read it. I've, I've looked at some excerpts of it. It was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And people that sat through that sermon were literally vibrating in their seats, frightened about what God's word says about the judgment of sin. Today, eh, sin doesn't matter. It's okay. No, it isn't okay. God, God is angry with sin all the time. Every day, according to the book of uh, Nehemiah, Nahum, and others, angry with sin every day. God does not look at sin the way we look at it. God looks at it very, very differently. Well, anyway, Jonathan Edwards said, the work of the Holy Spirit is 
often imperceivable to us. The work of the Holy Spirit in our life is often imperceivable. However, as the Christian reads the Word of God and allows it to dwell in him richly, though the work of the Holy Spirit is invisible, the results will be very visible. Though the work of the Spirit of God in a person's life is not necessarily visible, the outward effects is very visible. That what? The Christian will stay away from those things that cause him to fall into sin. So that work should be very, very visible, the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Now, I want to look at this just for a moment, please. Just bear with me for a moment. I want to look at, I asked Dave to read about the sower and the seed. I, I believe that's in there for a reason in the scriptures. Nothing in God's word is not in there for a reason. Nothing. Dates, times, places, theology, examples, all of it is God's word, and it's all in there for a reason. So when you read God's word, it will convict, convince teach, illuminate. All of God's word is there. And if you're not reading the word of God, then you're just simply not going to grow. You're just simply not going to grow. So head with me to Matthew chapter 13 for a moment, please. Matthew 13. I want to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of individuals comparing this sower and the seed parable. Now, I recognize, completely realize, that this section speaks of evangelism. He's speaking to Jewish people, and he speaks of evangelism, and then talking about allowing the the seed to work in the lives of individuals. However, there are are aspects of it that show how difficult, difficult the seed has in the lives of individuals. This is... You and I placing our faith in the seed. What is the seed? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Who is the sower? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with the seed. What's the problem? It's the soil. It's us. That's the problem. And so how do we get the soil right? How do we work on the soil, that's the question. Well, we have to look at God's word by faith, don't we? Now, there's several examples of this in the scriptures, and I do not have the time, so we will not look at them. But, for example, think of the Lord Jesus walking on the water in Galilee, the lake of Chenesareth, or, or the Sea of Galilee, we call it. He's walking on the northern half of it, and there's a storm that's been brewing and and, and indeed has been going at a full gale. Over 800 feet below sea level, the the winds come in over uh, the Golan Heights, and they just plummet down into that area, and they can... I've seen four-foot waves in the Sea of Galilee. Incredible. Incredible. It's like unto an ocean, and it's just a very small lake, comparatively so. But... The disciples see the Lord Jesus walking on the water, and they're frightened. They're frightened to death. And the Lord said, don't be afraid. It is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me that I come unto you. And the Lord said, come. And Peter got out of the boat. Now, I'm not ever going to make fun of Peter. I would still be sitting in the boat. I'd be hiding under one of the seats, really. 
But Peter says, if it's real you, get out of the boat. Come to me. Peter gets out of the boat and begins walking around. Then what this, how many steps he took, I do not know. I'd like to think it was three, maybe less. He looks around and he says, hey, I can't walk on water. B, B, he looks around and sees the waves and he totally collapses. And the Lord Jesus said, oh, you poor man. I understand. No. When the Lord Jesus grabbed them, pulled them up, he said, oh, ye of little faith. Why? You looked around you and you didn't look at me. You know, it's interesting. The Lord uses that term at least five times in the Gospels that I can find. Oh, ye of little faith. He doesn't let the disciples off the hook. He lets them know the reason you're struggling, the reason you're having problems, is you do not have faith in what I said. Whoa. It's kind of convicting, is it not? Hebrews 11, verse 16, we won't go there, just stay where you are, says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. When you don't exercise faith, you are not pleasing to God at all, not even a little bit when you don't exercise faith. Are you saved? Of course you are, if you've trusted Christ as Savior. Are you going to heaven? Absolutely. Are you living a consistent Christian life? Absolutely not. The minute, the minute you step away from believing God without faith, it is impossible to believe him. For they that come to him must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God wants us A simple definition is you need to take God at his word and act accordingly. For you and I as born-again believers, the illuminating Holy Spirit, we need to take God at his word and live it. Just what he said. Well, you know, that was written 2,000 years ago, and these are modern-day times. It's just as applicable today as it ever was. Just as applicable. Say, well, the world laughs at us. Who cares? What's important is he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God gets the last laugh. God is the one who's to judge. God is the one who will bring all things together. God is going to make it all clear in the minds of those who know Christ and even in the minds of those who don't. Imagine sitting in hell knowing you heard, you heard, you heard, you rejected, and now you're subject to damnation forever. Wow, what a feeling that must be. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Let's start right, please, if we could, right in verses 18 and 19. I'm reading from a King James Bible, the best Bible, King James, and I'm reading in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Here, therefore... The parable of the sower. So the Lord gives the parable. Now he's brought the disciples aside and he's explaining the parable to them. And here we go in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that is God's kingdom promised to Israel, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one. Does your verse say something like that? Then cometh the devil, then cometh the wicked one. You know, the evil one, 
That's referring to Satan and satanic activities. Then cometh the evil one and catches away that was sown in his heart. This is he that receives the seed by the wayside. You know what the wayside is? It's the trodden down path. Uh, When you make a garden, obviously you need a path to walk on any large garden so that you can till and sow seed and not walk on where the seed has been planted. Uh, The word of God is sown. It's placed out there. And some of that seed falls on this ground that patted down and hardened. Who hardened it? Who hardened it? The person walking on it. Remember Satan and, um, and Pharaoh? I'm adding Satan in there because I believe it was a satanic deception. What happened with Pharaoh? Pharaoh hardened his heart, hardened his heart, and then God hardened his heart. Incredible, incredible when you read through that section. But realize, this, the seed has been sown, the word of God has been given out, and this person is so hardened that the seed lays there, and then the devil comes and catches away that was sown. <coughs> Satanic deception of some kind. Satanic trickery, a foolery. Somehow, Satan is able to take that which these people heard, these people uh, in some way received. I don't know who did it. The sower, obviously. But they heard, and Satan catches away that which they had received. As a Christian, as a New Testament Christian, I think we need to consider... um, this, this thought of Satan catching away things in your life and in my life. Now, Paul, Paul talks about Satan an awful lot in the Scriptures. So do the other writers, by the way. But Paul particularly, oh, I, I wish I had time to do a series on Satan. I wish I did. Uh, it, it, it's in the Word of God. You, you don't hear it very often today in Christendom. You don't hear it very often. Why? Well, it's, you know, uneducated Well, you need to get educated on what God says about Satan. Let the world do what they're going to do. You need to realize the truth behind it, not the folly, not the fiction, the made-up stuff like on TV, but the real stuff written in God's Word. For example, for example, and uh, just consider this, if you would. In 2 Corinthians, I won't have you turn this, 2 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12, Paul says to the Corinthian believers, non-forgiveness. He said, do not have non-forgiveness in your heart. Why? Lest Satan get an advantage of us. Non-forgiveness gives a a portal, an inroad to Satan working and taking you off the path. He said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Do you know non-forgiveness opens a portal to Satan. For Christians. Paul said it's for believers here. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Let me ask you this. I have to ask myself the very same question. Have you forgiven all those and those to come that have have been rude to you, hurtful to you, painful to you in some way? Have you forgiven them? If you haven't, you've given Satan advantage. 
Remember, we're talking about the sower and the seed. What kind of ground are you? If you're not good soil, Satan can take advantage of that very, uh, very quickly. God said, Paul, and we're talking to the Thessalonican church, he said, Paul said, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Think about that. The great apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that God ever had. Satan hindered him. How did he do that? Well, I have a suggestion for that, if you could, please. In that Satan uses others to thwart the work of God. It could be your boss. It could be someone living in your own house. It could be, it could be anything. But Satan can use those people to hinder your goal to hinder your life before the Lord. Satan handed us once and again. Now, what is your attitude? What is my attitude when things don't go the way we planned? What, what is that? I go nuts. I don't know about you. We have an example. Um, we bought a stove <clears throat> two years ago. Very nice stove, very expensive stove, so my wife can cook the delicious meals she cooks. Broken. Twice. Oh. Oh, now what? I can't have those delicious meals. And it's out of warranty, don't you know? Well, no, it isn't. Now I'm starting to get riled up, right? No, well, what happened? Well, these things that come into our life daily, a problem with a, uh, a contract, a problem with people, a, a problem with this, a problem with that, how do you allow them to affect your life? Satan can use those things to hinder you. Do you have a problem at work? Satan can use that to hinder you. How are you going to deal with that? How are you going to deal with that? Here's another one. Oh, I've seen this work. James says, a lack of humility gives Satan a place. How important do you think you really are? I've met people over and over. If it wasn't for me, I've I've met them. I was at the Charlestown Navy. I was serving my apprenticeship. And back then, it was in the 70s, and all these old World War II guys were around. One World War guy said, uh, World War II guy said to another, well, in my presence, and I'm going to leave out all the expletives there, but he, he said, if it wasn't for me, this place wouldn't be... He's talking about the Charlestown Navy Yard in Boston. And the other World War II veteran said, I don't know how this place got along all these years without you. <laughs> I had someone say to, that to me about the Cornerstone Church. If it wasn't to me, where would this place be? To which I answered, better off. (laughs) If you have that attitude, better off, better off. Recognize fully, if you would please, that a lack of humility is a tool of Satan. Let me read this to you, please, if we could. In James 4, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lack of humility is a tool of Satan. And he'll tempt you with that. 
He'll tempt you with that all the time. Does your flesh cause you to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think? I can't answer that for you. I can't answer it for you. I need to answer that for myself. In 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Your adversary, the enemy, we're talking a deadly enemy, Satan walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan might be using something in your life to hold you down. Is it the sower's fault? That's God. Is it the seed's fault? That's the word of God. No, it's the soil. Satan can use any of these things to hold you down, to suppress your Christian life so that you will not walk with God. Back in Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 22 for a moment, please. Matthew um, 13 and verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word of God. Okay, now I want you to notice that this probably is talking about a Christian, an Old Testament believer, New Testament Christian, and I'll read that to you in verse 22. He also that receives seed among thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. No unsaved person can bear fruit for God, none. None. We're talking about this is a believer who's become unfruitful. Notice, if you would, the cares of this age. This person's mind, whoever it is, it could be me, it can be you, God speaking to us through his word. This person's mind and heart is infested with spiritual thorns and weeds. Not physical, spiritual thorns and weeds. What, what's it all about? Uh, well, mostly Mostly it's things, in my mind at least, I'm very concerned about that I can do nothing about. I don't know about you. All my worry up at night, COVID. All my worry up at night, economy. All my worry up at night, family. Nothing I can do about it. I just stay awake and worry about it. I'm upset. I did a lot of good, didn't I? First of all, I left, lost sleep that I desperately need. Secondly, secondly, all kinds of things start into my mind. I start conjuring up, that's enough about me. How about you? Same thing happens. It has to. Most of our worries of this day are, 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 are predicated upon that which we cannot change. You can't change it. Only God can deal with the soil, Right? Only God can fix the soil. Martha, Martha, thou art worried and anxious about many things. One thing is needful. What happened? Mary's chosen the best thing. What was it? She sat at Jesus' feet and learned. The sower and the seed, folks. We're talking about God giving you his word. How does it land? How does it land? Well, you determine that. I determine that. All kinds of things that choke out this, this word. What, what are your concerns uh, about this? What, what causes you, what interferes in your life to keep you from walking with God entirely? 
You might think you're doing all right, and yet you're consumed with the cares, these spiritual weeds, invasive weeds. I'm told, I do not know if this is true, but I'm told many of the things in our life, many of the weeds that come into our lives, and I'm talking about literal plants or weeds or whatever these things are called, uh, they're invasive. They came from another country. Someone thought they'd look good hanging from their planter somewhere and brought them to the United States. Uh, there's fish like that. Did you know that fish? People have brought fish into our country that are now an invasive species, killing everything normal and natural. The English sparrow wiped out all of our American bluebirds. There's only a few left. It's crazy, it's crazy, these invasive things that come in and they grab hole and they permeate. It's, it's tantamount to uh, uh, Australia and the rabbit situation there. Incredible. Just doing uh, tremendous damage and harm to, the, uh, to everything. What weeds in your mind are allowing and taking you away from the Lord? And the more you let them grow, the further away you're going to get. Are you saved? Of course you're saved. You're born again. I give unto to them eternal life, and they shall never, no, never perish. But, but, you can become a pitiful Christian. Pitiful Christian by allowing these invasive things to permeate your thinking, permeate your mind. And I mentioned again, most of which, most of which, you can do nothing about, except bring it before the Lord. Okay, We've got to move on very, very quickly now, if we can, please. <clears throat> Back, where am I? Here I am. <clears throat> what does the scripture say concerning the world? This world we live in. By the way, can I, can I just add this? Could Satan use the COVID virus to keep you away from the things of the Lord? Huh? I've seen Christians that don't come to church. I've seen Christians, they're afraid of the COVID virus. Walking in Home Depot. All they had their mask on. Listen, you won't get the COVID virus here compared to Home Depot. But no, no. Now some of you are making up, oh, the poor person, they probably had a plumbing problem. I, I, I know. But could the COVID virus keep you from coming to church? Is it just an excuse? I want to say, oh, yeah. It's just an excuse in some people's lives. Not everyone, and we're thankful you're here, but realize the things of this world, and, and they're multiplying, are they not? They're crushing in, are they not? What did the Lord Jesus say about the world? Well, think of this, if you would, in 1 John 5, in verse 19. We know that we are of God... And the whole world lies in the hands of the wicked one. That gives you a starting place. <laughs> what do you think about the world? It's under bondage. Satanic bondage. The whole place. Is God sovereign? Yes, he is. Is God in you? Yes, he is. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But realize what you're fighting right from the start. God can do all things. We know that and we believe that. But how are you allowing the all things in your life to, to sit upon your soul? How are you fertiling the good ground? Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. 
Isn't that amazing? The prince of this world's coming, and he has nothing in me. Why? Because the word of God dwelled richly in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the word of God. Head with me to James, just real quick. Keep your hand here, we're coming back. The clock moveth on, and I'm not. Okay, uh, James, head with me to James, if you would, chapter 4, just for a moment. You know this passage well. If there's any book in the Bible that is very convicting, it's James. Sometimes I wish it wasn't in there, because I read it and I think, oh man, that's me, that's me. In James chapter 4, look at, he's writing to New Testament Christians, first book of the entire New Testament, first book of the entire New Testament. James writing to believers, he says this, chapter 4 and verse, Where come wars and fightings among you? Come they not here, even from your lusts, which war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Why isn't God giving you some of the things you want? It would make you worse. And often we think, Lord, if I only had this, it would make me better. No, no, no. It would make you worse. So God sometimes just doesn't give us the things we're asking for. Why? It would be totally detrimental to our lives. Now, that doesn't mean you wouldn't, might not get it later on. It depends how the soil's developing, right? Nancy and I use money that we do not want to to plant grass seed. I hate grass seed. It's running down the street when a hard rainstorm comes. We put stuff on it, stuff in it. Beg it to grow. The soil isn't right. The soil isn't right. How's your soil? How's your? Are you asking for something? that God is not giving you because you've asked amiss, that you might consume it upon your lusts. Okay, now it gets worse than that. I'm glad we have the offering up already. Verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not, or do you not understand that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Whoa. Did you ever read that? Anyone ever read that? Man. Yeah, I just love everyone, and I just love to be friends with everyone. And wait a minute now. Be very, very, very careful. Can you be friendly toward people? Of course, you should be, right? So that they'll ask a reason for the hope that's in you. But when they are more important to you than God's word is, there's a problem. And it's you. It's me. Every, Every... a single time. John says, Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not there. It's not there. Another warning. These are are difficult things, are they not? Sure they are. But what does God's word say? Just get the soil. Get, Get the soil ready. How hard is that? Read the Bible. How hard is that? Well, if you fill your life with everything else, it's nearly impossible. You have to prepare the soil. You have to till the soil. Maybe if I spent more time <clears throat> out tilling my soil, the little grass shoots would spread, uh, spring up. But no, I did it the easy way. And if you do it the easy way, 
there's not going to be any death. There just won't be. How do we fix this? How do we work through this? Well, realize that the world and everything that's in it has the potential to stain us. Now, I'm running out of time quickly, so head with me, if you would, please, to the book of 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2. Now, what am I saying? Um, That you should lock yourself in a closet? Uh, What am I saying? I'm not saying any of that. Now, why is that? Because if you lock yourself in the closet, there's an exceedingly sinful sinner in there with you. Who was it? You. You can't get away from it. We're not talking about running away from the world. We're talking about running away from yourself. And I can whip up every excuse there is. You can whip up every excuse there is. But there's none. God says, in me, all things are possible. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. It's the word of God that's the, the, the measure here. Okay, we're in 2 Peter chapter 2. I want you to pick up this man, and you know him very well. His name is Lot. And what happened to Lot? Well, Lot was in Sodom. Abraham said, don't go to Sodom. Lot was in Sodom. And if you, I won't have you read it, but in Genesis 13, 13, the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. These weren't just bad people. They were bad people squared. This was a filthy place with filthy people that loved the filth. That's what it was. And Lot moved there. Pretty soon, they make him some kind of an ambassador in there. The king of the little kids. There he is. He's at the gate of the city. At the gates were the place of rule or courts. Anyway, what happened to Lot? God delivered, verse 7 of Second uh, Peter 2, God delivered just Lot, vexed, with the filthy manner of life of the wicked. Vexed. What does that word vexed mean? Well, it's interesting because in the uh, ESV, the term used is distressed, I guess. (laughs) I guess he was distressed. If you read about he and what he offered to the angels, his daughters, that's kind of distressed. What's called vexed. The word vexed in the old English here means to be worn down by being worn down. You use sandpaper, sand something, it starts wearing down. First, it's, you know, if you're doing old paint or something, first it's hard to break through. And then after a while, once you break through, it gets a little easier and a little easier. And that's what sin is like. You dabble in sin, and it's, you know, you're going to be convicted. It's hard, difficult. You know, your, your spirit is just grieved, and you go through that. But after a while, after a while, it gets easier to participate in that sin. After a while, it's not a problem anymore. And that's what happened a lot. Notice, he delivered just Lot, justified Lot, a believer, Old Testament believer, vexed with the filthy manner of life of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds or lawless deeds. Lot became stained with the world. He became stained with the world. And if you look up that word stained, spot, the King James Bible is spotted with the life of the filthiness of this world. We're, not call, we're called to live in this world. We're not, we're not called to be a part of it. 
is a huge difference. And so Lot, Lot got stained by the world. Are you stained by the world? Am I stained by the world? Do I allow these things to take me over the edge? Is the world more important to me than the Lord? I'm here for what? 70, 80, 90 years. Some live even a little longer than that, but sooner or later, soon we fly away. And you'll be with the Lord forever. What's more important? You ever tell your kids that? It's just for a little while, and then you'll grow up, and then all this will... Well, how about you? How about me? Grow up, Christian. That's what God's saying. Grow up. Get, make sure you're preparing to meet me in glory forever, the kingdom. It's interesting, because we read in 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm so amazed with this. Back in the day, and I'm talking about when I was young, a young pastor, just uh, whoa, all excited about everything, uh, you know, and uh, you know, just yelling and doing all the stuff that you do. Um, we warn people about television. We warn people about what they'd be listening to. Those days are gone. It's just, just absolutely gone. Of course, they, they have, everyone has a television in their pocket. You know, everyone has this. So those days are gone. But the warning is still there. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good morals or habits. Don't be deceived. Evil communication will, it's in the affirmative, it will corrupt you. It's not as if it might, it may, I'm pretty tough, you know, that business. No, no, it will corrupt you, and it's going to corrupt you. And what is it? It's the world and all that's in it. So everyone should give me their cell phone when you leave here. I don't know how much we can get for those cell phones, Nance. It's not the cell phone, it's you. It's not the cell phone, it's you. You're the one looking at that stuff. You're the one listening to that stuff. You may be even writing that stuff. Frightening. Frightening to see what some quote, Christians, unquote, put on Facebook. Scary. Scary to think about. Okay. What about riches? Deceitfulness of riches. What about money? Just about out of time. If you don't have any, you don't have a problem, right? No. Why? Because you spend all your time wanting some. If you have a lot, that's not a problem either. Yes, it is. Why? Because you spend all your time consuming it upon your lusts. The whole business, the whole business, it's the soil. How is your soil? The soil can only be tilled. The soil can only be nourished by the word of God. It's the seed that's perfect. It's the sower that's perfect. You're the soil. Are you going to nourish that soil? How can you nourish the soil? I would suggest to you, you look at the book of Ephesians chapter 6. You know it very well. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole arm of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. God says, get the soil ready. It's coming, it's coming. This, 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 stuff, this stuff is going to come. Get ready for it. Put on the whole armor of God. I saw out in the fellowship hall there, there was a verse on the board there, the ladies' uh, day yesterday, uh, probably one of them put it on there. Uh, grow in grace 
and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you grow? It's only the Word of God. Nothing else will replace that. Nothing else replaces spiritual growth in your life except the Word of God. Well, I like to get together, be quiet, and hum. Won't do it. I like candles that won't do it. Look, candles are good. Humming is good. Reading the Word of God is better. More important than all of it. I don't care how you do it, where you go to do it, when you do it, you've got to get into the Word of God. Why? Because that's the soil. That's you. That's, that's me. Um, Pastor Rob will be back in a couple weeks. Aren't you thankful for that? Let's close in prayer. Father, your Word is sharp. It's a goad, you told Paul. It's hard for Paul to kick against the goads. Father, it's harder for us to kick against the goads. Lord, the goads in our life are, are multiplied. They're faster and faster all the time. Satan has used that which could be good for that which is evil. Our government has, has accepted, accepted the thorns. They've accepted the thistles. They have accepted that which is meant to squeeze out the fruit. Father, Satan has had his heyday. We know, though, it's not over yet. We know, Father, as long as you have us on earth, you have a purpose to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I stand amazed about people who want to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and live a life of wickedness. Father, help us not to be so. Help us to be a testimony for our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be concerned about meeting together, growing together, hearing the word of God. Teachers have been given us to us that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this place, for the many teachers we have here. I pray, Father, each person would take full advantage of everything that's offered here in, in, in the way of teaching that we might learn and grow Father, we face an unprecedented time. And yet, Father, we somehow have allowed the world to creep in. Lord, give us your strength. Bless our spirit through the word of God. Help us, Lord, to grow and to become those that have that joy, having left it with you, because the soil is ready, the seed is ready. And looking at it all, Lord, that that root and fruit might grow in us. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.